Today's episode is sponsored by Discovered Magazine. Discovered is an international print counterculture magazine encompassing the best of music, art, skateboarding, and anything with a punk ethos. Listeners get 10% off a yearly subscription using the code FIRSTEVER when they visit store.dscvrd.co. Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. If this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. This is episode 75, and my guest this week is Eric Egan of Heart Attack Man. Uh, if I sound a little worse than usual right now, it's because I uh, I played two shows over the weekend. Did a lot of overnight driving. Um, I'm not well-rested. But hey, the show must go on, right? Right. I am so excited to announce that I have a couple new sponsors. I'm going to start here. Anchorfish. Hey, are you thinking about starting a band, label, or distro? Or maybe you already have one and you just need some merch. Anchorfish Printing has been taking care of bands for 15 years. When Touche Amore started, Michael over at Anchorfish was our guy for shirts hoodies, patches, and more for several years, and he was always there to make sure we were happy and taken care of. Check out their Instagram at anchorfish underscore printing right now and mention First Ever Podcast and receive 10% off your order. Hit them up for your shirts, hats, stickers, and everything else. Shout out Anchorfish. My next brand new awesome sponsor, my friends at Deathwish Inc., For 20 years, Deathwish has been the go-to label for emerging punk and hardcore. That continues today with their recent releases from scene staples and promising newcomers such as Modern Life is War, Greet Death, Chastity, Converge, Frail Body, and more. Get 10% off all Deathwish music and merch in their store using the link deathwishinc.com slash the first ever, which automatically applies the discount and filters the site for only items included. Again, that is 10% off all Deathwish releases and merch at deathwishinc.com slash the first ever. Have you listened to that new Chastity record, Suffer Summer? It's great. You should start there. All right. And lastly, if you have not subscribed to the Patreon, hit up patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, where right now there's a bonus episode with Eric Egan answering questions that were submitted by subscribers. If that interests you, hit up the Patreon. You can find out about upcoming guests, submit questions to them. There's a Discord channel. You get extra bonus radio episodes, and you get this extra episode with Eric Egan, starting at just $3 a month. All right, that's it. Uh, Here's my episode with Eric Egan. Eric, thanks for hanging out. How are you today? Of, Of course, yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. Uh, how are, how are your obliques? You told me that your uh, obliques are sore today. <laughs> my my obliques are very sore. I I went crazy at the gym yesterday, and um, yeah, no, my my obliques are 
very much so hurting today. Are you, have you always been gym guy or is this, um, uh, is this like a, a post pandemic Your this is your new life? I've, so I've always been like, you know, pretty physically active and like I worked out in, uh, I went to the gym in high school because I played hockey, but like I hated it and didn't go to the gym for a long time, but I've always been into running, um, but like have been kind of on and off with that as well because of various injuries. But I mean, I've always been physically active to some extent, but yeah, I've been going pretty hard with being back at the gym and being consistent with that for like more consistent with it. I mean, for like the past year, year and a half, but like, uh, prior to lockdown and everything, I was going for a couple years pretty casually leading up to that. And then, canceled my membership, uh, you know, with lockdown and everything and then got back into that again. So overall, like, yeah, I'd say it's, I've been doing it for a while, but like have never, I don't know. I've never gone like super, super hard with it. Sure. Just, Until it yesterday. just feels good. Until <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, yesterday I went, <laughs> went crazy. Uh, the past couple of weeks I've been consistently going pretty crazy, but, uh, I mean, it's also, what it's what's like what's the end goal are you trying to just get are you trying to get jacked or are you just trying no, to uh <laughs> no i'm not like that's the thing okay. is like i am like re- really not trying to get big or anything um yeah but it just it just feels good and also it's cold here now in cleveland so it's you know i'm staying busy um i am in the off season from my day job so like uh you know, also I'm just, I'm just like, it's just a thing to do and it feels good. So sure. it's a, it's a good routine to get into, but yeah, no, I'm not like really trying to get like super big or anything, but you know, more so training for like endurance. I like doing higher reps, lower weight, but yeah, I'd say, that I'd say the end goal is just to, to feel, feel good. I feel like for, uh, you know, dummies who front bands like, like you and I, like, it's a great way to, uh, just make sure you don't fall apart in between for getting sure. to tour, you know? Like, yeah. I, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I had such a fear. I, I was running for a really long time, um, between tour great. stuff. It's for doing vocals running is like, I noticed so, uh, so much more of an improvement in my voice just from like when I really started taking running more seriously in the past, few years like yeah night and day difference well, yeah i was i was all about it for a really long time but i mean it was also because it was like during shutdown it was like it's outdoors you know you feel all a little safer doing do. totally right. yeah 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 and but now i became a dummy who got a uh i got a peloton so, so i i dropped i dropped <laughs> i dropped running and i and now i just do the bike but um i went into the I mean, peloton that's, be- that's better that's better for your knees so knees i'm also you know i'm i feel like i'm quite a bit older than you so like the knees is a is a big help and then also um but i I went into the peloton really confident where i was like oh man i've been running i'm gonna kill it on this thing and i I quickly realized it was completely different muscles or like in the legs it is (laughs) yeah especially like on your upper hamstrings and stuff like in the back like you know your glutes too it's like it just targets things differently totally you know you you yeah, you you can go into it pretty confidently. That's like the the one of the first times at the gym I'm currently at where like 
I went on a stair climbing machine. Like my first time on a stair climbing machine, I'm like, oh, I'm going to crush this. And it's like, <laughs> right. I was dead, you know, but it's like, cause you're like, oh, I, I'm used to running and I do, I do like uphill sprints and shit too. So like, oh, wow. you know, I'm, so I'm like used to that. Cause during 2020 I was running, um, mainly for distance and I was, you know, putting up like good, good distances and everything and pretty good time as well. I mean, I was like regularly doing, I'd say like my average run was like five to seven miles. And, uh, and I, you know, I got up to doing like eight to 10, but, um, so I was like all of 2020, I was focusing on distance. And then 2021, I was focusing on speed. So I was just doing like one to three miles and focusing on improving my speed. And my big goal for 2021 was to do one, do a sub five minute mile. And I did 458. So I like narrowly beat it, but yeah, but so I did that. And then, yeah, um, I mean this year I don't really have any like hard set fitness goals. It's just like kind of trying to be more consistent with things, but I'm not like, Oh, I have to like hit this PR or I have to like, you know, do this or that. But I mean, it definitely helped me to have like hard set goals like that during 20, 2020, especially and 2021 as well. Like, you know, it's just good to kind of have those things to be working towards. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, uh, do you use Strava at all? I do. Um, I've been on and off with that as well, but yeah, I am on there and I started, um, I started like a Strava group for our fans that are more into fitness as well. So like our own athletic department, but, um, <laughs> so like I started that and people, people were into it, but it's like, it's, it's kind of tough to keep up with sometimes and like logging everything you do. You know, I'm like, I don't really, I don't log I don't, when I go to the gym and if I'm lifting, like I'm not really like keeping track of what I'm doing. I'm just like, Oh, I'm just going to hop on this machine or I'm going to do this exercise and just go till failure. I'm not like counting what I'm doing. So yeah, that almost like disrupts the pro the process. If you're like focused so so much on doing it, it's with Strava though. What kept when I was running, what kept me like, uh, going back is, you know how like it shows you the design of like where you ran yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So I got, I got really into trying to make designs. Like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> so like I'd run a different route every time and I'd like, tr- and I'd try to remember I'm like, okay. And it basically yeah. ended up me trying to like make weird dicks and like things like yeah. that. Of course, <laughs> that's but... funny. Yeah. I actually, so there one, one time when I was, uh, logging one of my runs, it, I mean, really I saw it, it kind of related to that. Like I saw a tweet that was, uh, someone had said something like, you know, no one, no one cares about your, your running route or something like that. Yeah. You know, some, some tweet I was like, Oh, okay. And then I just, so I went on a run and ran in a rectangle and then took the tweet and put it inside of the rectangle and then posted <laughs> that. So I was like, you know, You're, well, I, there's one I, thing I'm, not, we... I'm not doing, I'm not doing this for, for you. I don't care if you care about it. I'm, I'm, I'm posting it cause I felt good about it. I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> I that, that's that story right there kind of explains uh, your just like it, it centers how good you are at the Internet. That's a very you thing oh, to I, do. I, I feel I like mean, was, so, so, some would ahead. say I'm good. Some would say I'm good at the Internet. Um, some <laughs> whether it's I feel like whether it's good or not is uh, subjective, but I'm uh, <laughs> I'm active. <laughs> You're active. For sure. Yeah, I think I mean, I'm that an was active certain- guy. That was certainly my introduction, really, 
to your band, which I'm sure in some in some way we're. I feel like mo- most of the people that, that like a lot, the vast majority of people that know about us, it's is from the internet in some capacity. And right, you know, I remember it is what it is. I went to see Drug Church at Chain. That was a tour with Gouge Away that you were also on, right? right? right. Yeah, yeah, I went to that show, but I unfortunately arrived as like your set was ending. And I just mm. remember asking Pat and the guys in the band, like what's up with this band or whatever. And they, and they had yeah. of course really nice things to say about all of oh, you. And then that's yeah. when, that's when it was like, okay, I'm now aware of this band. And yeah, then, that's, that was a really cool tour for us. Cause I feel like it was kind of like outside of what we had normally done before, you know? Cause I mean, we did, you know, we tour a lot in like pop, pop punk and emo world. Um, and that was like still, you know, adjacent, but like, different enough to where it's like okay we're doing something we're playing to people that uh, playing to more people that had never heard of us before and that was still very early on for us as a band so i mean even if regardless like no matter what i feel like we would have been playing to people that had uh never heard of us before but like that was definitely kind of outside of the the lane that we had previously been uh been running in so that was like a very very exciting tour for us and very I feel like in, in a lot of ways kind of opened up some, some things for us that, uh, I'm glad we did. It was a really fun one. Not to mention drug, drug church and gouge away just are fucking incredible. So. Absolutely. I remember then like look, you know, coming across it pretty soon, but then realizing, you know, that first record is just called the Manson family. And I was like, okay, yeah. so this, this completely makes sense. Like a provoc, you know, drug church being yeah. such a provocative name, uh, right. you know, and I was like, okay, this band names a record called the Manson family. This is obviously you the know, de- debut record, the Manson family, you know, it, great idea. It, totally. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it definitely won't smart. be off putting for anyone. <laughs> well, it's smart because it makes you go, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, that work that, that can work for you and against you, I guess at the same time in some, in some yeah. capacity. But, um, I mean, you know, so we could, we could start with like the first questions here, which is, uh, well, firstly, you're from, are you from Cleveland originally? Originally? Yeah. Are you born and raised? Yeah. Uh-huh. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so growing up in Cleveland, like what was your first experiences with music in the sense of maybe something that you connected with when you were young that maybe felt like yours? I'd say like the, so, I mean, the first time that I ever played live was I was 13. It was like going from, the summer of the summer between eighth grade and freshman year of high school. So that was like, you know, first time I'd ever played live. Um, but I'd say like really the, you know, and it's like throughout the bands I played, um, played in, in high school and everything. It's like, you know, we would, uh, we just kind of played whatever show we could, but I'd say that the first time that like, I really kind of, um, really started, kind of felt like I'd found um a scene of sorts that like it kind of uh I don't know more or less belonged in and I was like something that um was like a, a bit more like sort of uh cohesive and like unified and there was like you know like a, a, a sort of actual scene that we had kind of fallen in with and everything um rather than just like playing whatever shows we could see like just uh some sense of community with things was um I'd say when I was like 16, um, shortly after 
you know, I'd started driving and everything. Um, but it was like shows that would happen at, uh, the tower 2012. And oh man, I forgot about that yeah, place. Yeah. That, so like the scene that kind of was around that spot was really where, you know, kind of like first, um, really fe- felt like a communal sense of things with music and, you know, all my bands in high school, we'd played there and then like going into, um, early college and everything like my, and you know, that was the, that was the first time that I really kind of felt like super in touch and like connected with like what was going on in Cleveland and everything. And I actually, I, I, uh, saw two shade in like the base. I think it was in the basement there like years and years ago. I was going to ask you about that. Cause I remember, <laughs> I remember we played the basement and it was like, you know, very much a basement in a, uh, in a, like, in a- like, disgusting base yeah it was like i didn't want to say it i waited for you to say it yeah Um, no it's so the place was haggard i loved it (laughs) so so what's funny is i remember one time we told like we're you know reminiscing with probably you know a friend's band or whatever about places we played or diy venues and stuff we're like yeah we played in the basement or or like we played tower you know 2012 and they're like like oh yeah that place is crazy i was like yeah i mean like the basement's so small and they're like you played in the basement there <laughs> yeah like cause normally i guess that wasn't in the basement so that was like a rare was oh, that a right. rarer occurrence um they so like they would have shows in the basement every now and then but yeah i mean most of the shows were upstairs and i don't i'm not sure exactly there i do re- remember i mean my memory's kind of uh spotty from sure. from that time but like i feel like I do remember there was a time where like they were having most of the shows in the basement okay. and I couldn't, I couldn't remember exactly why. Maybe it was, maybe it was something to do with, it was like quieter outside, you know, having it downstairs or I don't know, maybe it was, maybe in it was because it might've been cold and it was warm. I, don't, I have no idea. I have this funny recollection and tell me if I'm crazy or like, where the merch was set up, I remember just thinking, why are there so many washing machines and dryers in here? Like, yeah, for some reason, I felt like, yeah, no, no, not even in the, like in the, wherever the merch area was in my head. I was like, why is there like several dryers here? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Cause the, cause the thing is, yeah, that's right. Cause the, the merch area originally, so that was the, the building used to be a Chinese restaurant. Okay. And so that back room, I think the one that you're talking about, was yeah. the original merch area and so that used to be the kitchen okay and there were there were like a, a good amount of just random appliances and crap in there but right. um but so eventually that room became they they built a half pipe in there and that became like there was just this big half pipe that like took up the whole room and there is a part like a lip of the ramp that went over the door and it was like it was pretty gnarly, but, um, yeah. I mean the whole, the whole place was very gnarly, but yeah, that that's right. Cause when you guys had played there, that was actually pretty shortly after I had like started going to shows there. Okay. So that was like, that was like very early on. Um, yeah, I want to say, for, I want to assume for us, we probably played there 2000, does 2009 sound right? Yeah. Cause okay. that's like, I think it was probably like fall or winter of 2009 yeah, early yeah, 2010 because yeah. i was only going to show because it closed they it closed like i i'm not even sure if it made it to 2012 like <laughs> i think it was like i was going to shows there and everything i think it i think uh it closed down like right before 2012 i don't know but um 
But I mean, yeah, that was like sure. the first, the first sort of place where I had, uh, really kind of felt like, you know, a connection and a sort of community with music and everything. And, um, I mean, this was, this was well before heart attack man's time. Sure. So like, um, I mean, even with that question, I'm, I'm even talking like when you were young, like what were you listening to that excited you as a, as like a young kid? My first favorite band ever was Metallica. Like they, I was Metallica is the reason. So I originally started, um, first instrument I played was drums and Metallica was like the reason why I started playing drums. And then shortly after that started playing guitar and everything else. But, um, but yeah, so like Metallica was my, the first band that I was just like full on obsessed with, you know, it's like, I liked all kinds of stuff, um, growing up, but Metallica was like, when I discovered Metallica and got really into them, that was like, uh, sixth grade for me. And it was like, they were, that was all I listened to. And I saw them in sixth grade when they toured on St. Anger, which is hilarious. Um, but it was, I saw them and Godsmack open for them and Godsmack, like honestly upstage Metallica. And I was like, okay, Godsmack sick. So I got really into Godsmack and then like <laughs> Corn and Sepultura and like yeah. Slipknot and all that. And prior to that though, I was like, when I was, you know, before sixth grade, like when I was really little, like growing up playing hockey and everything, I was really into Limp Biscuit, and that was like huge for me because I was it was just so ridiculous, and you know, so I'd say like early on for me, first artists that I was like really took a liking to were like Limp Biscuit and Metallica. Sure. And then from and then from Metallica, um, you know, I discovered like. Sepultura was huge for me and then you know got into the thrashier side of things and also because of Metallica found Misfits and then through the Misfits found Black Flag and Minor Threat and uh high school for me was all you know like the early hardcore punk stuff and was like full-on obsessed with like Minor Threat and MDC particularly but like that was really into that but then always I mean it's like I got really into that stuff and then later on in high school also got very into like, you know, more melodic side of things with like Lifetime and Kid Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Like those those bands were very big for me. So it's like kind of been all over the place. Um, but like from there, from like Lifetime and Kid Dynamite, you know, I found Title Fight as they you know, per, very early on and was like excited on that. And then like from that, you know, found all, all – all kinds of bands through like that kind of wave of the scene then and everything. So I'd say, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, it's kind of a convoluted pathway, but you know, I see eventually, it though. eventually, eventually found my way. Yeah. I, just obvious. The Metallica Misfits connection was that because of the cover, because when they covered them on, uh, was it they Garage Days them, or whatever? Yeah. yeah. The Garage Inc. album. It's like that. Yeah. I found them because of that, them covering them also. And then just also, cause I mean, uh, Cliff Burton would just always put on for the Misfits. He would always be wearing Misfits shirts and stuff. Sure. That, was a, that was a big thing for me too, was just seeing, uh, seeing like artists that I liked and everything, like what shirts they would be wearing. That was always big for me. You know, Same. Like, oh, if, if this artist is wearing this band's shirt, surely it must be good. So I have to check right. it out. And so, you know, that's, all, you, that's always been, do you like, uh, are, are you conscious of that yourself? 
when maybe making music videos or making anything like that. Like, I, I feel like that's a tradition that still kind of carries on. You know what I'm saying? Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I've, uh, I mean, I've got like, I've had a lot of our fans tell me that I got them into sugar. Who's like my favorite band. I love like sugar and Husker do and yeah, anything, Bob Bob, Mold, okay. anything, anything Bob Mold is doing. Like I, I'm about it. But so like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always thinking about that. Like when, you know, when we do videos and stuff or, when we go on tour, you know, I think like, okay, what shirts am I going to bring? It's always, it's always the hardest part for me. Cause I'm like, I gotta, I gotta, you know, cho- choose wisely, choose carefully. And right. I'll, I don't know. I, I've, I've got a pretty crazy t-shirt collection. So there, it's also just kind of a lot to choose from, but do you overpack? I overpack. I, I, I always overpack. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, when, I mean, when it comes to like music videos and stuff too, I am very you know conscious of that. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I want to like wear something and represent something that like, I, you know, it's like an influence or something that I really like or something that I want to put our fans on to. So it's like, like you said, I feel like that has been a thing for a long time of, you know, uh, artists wanting to do that and like kind of like in a way like where sometimes literally wearing their influences on their sleeve but like um, yeah you know it, I, I I enjoy doing that and I enjoy uh, putting people onto stuff they may not have heard before so it, it warms my heart whenever especially whenever any of our fans have uh, said you know I'm the reason they started listening to like sugar you know I'm like that's fucking cool because I love that band and I will always rep. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally, totally, totally get it. Um, so I got to ask though, when you got yeah. into Metallica, was it, was it cause of St. Anger? No, it was, well, no, it was, uh, cause of the black album. Okay. Okay. But, cause I, but, obviously there's a big year there. I mean, but if that was yeah. the time I was like, I so, just want, so, I just wanted to know that there was a demographic that literally got into them because of St. Anger. It wasn't, it wasn't because of St. Anger, but I was on the St. Anger hype train. I was on that very weirdly, uh, specific train. Uh, I was fucking hyped on it. Cause it like, I got into them and then that was like kind of as, as it was Saint coming Anger out was, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, Oh cool. I'm just getting full on obsessed with this band and they're about to release this album. Sweet. And Did so it then, connect with you? Oh yeah. I loved St. Anger when it oh came out. I was like, yeah, like I mean, I was in sixth grade, you know. It was no, like, I, I, yo, you get a pass. I, but. And I, I, hey, I will also say that that album has some riffs for sure. Um, however, <laughs> if it if it existed in a vacuum, where it was like, you know, you don't have early Metallica to go yeah. off of. It's it's not too bad, you know. It's like it's there. The thing there's though, a, with there's that a is song it, on that record that is so psychotic. Uh, are you? Oh, yeah, I, I'm it, assuming you're pretty you're pretty well versed. I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Talk to me about Invisible Kid. Invisible Kid is hilarious. It is <laughs> like I'm. A, I've like talked to friends. I, there's no way to do it without it just being mean spirited. But I've joked yeah. with friends like I want to start a podcast called Invisible Kid. Where I play yeah. it for somebody who's never heard it before, and then oh, we just man, talk that, about it. it, it that'd be incredible. Me, to me, it is the exact definition and like situation of everybody in the room got their way. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that's uh, 
Yeah, like, that's that song. That song is psychotic. It's I'd say it's that's like a psychotic. It's a, it's it's a it's a standout track from that album too. Just in in how fucking ridiculous it is. Um, so the thing with that album though, it, I think it's hilarious how they're like, okay, it, like you're saying about people getting their way with that song. Yeah, that album. I mean, obviously Kirk did not get his way because he didn't solo anywhere. But right. It was like. But it was almost like that album, the funniest thing about it, because like us as a band, we will like periodically rewatch uh, some kind some of monster. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So like we all will come back and watch that every now and then. And it's like always a fun time, but it's also kind of grounding in a way because we're like, man, like Metallica just it's fucking Metallica. They're like the biggest heavy metal band ever. And they just did not have their shit together. It just kind of, you know, as a as a band it's kind of a morale booster because like, okay, well we got our shit together, you know, but the um, fact, the fact that that record definitely costs like over $2 million altogether. It's insane. And like, it's, yo, I know for a fact that an iPhone recording would be better than that. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like it's, it's fucked up. Crazy. The, um, every, so, so here's the thing though, before I get to some of my lasting thoughts on the album, yeah. just about, Invisible Kid and just the composition of the album entirely. It's insane to me that it's like, okay, um, basically my my thought process is if they took all those songs and like, you know, trimmed them down significantly and didn't, didn't, my my thought process is they're like, they were so used to writing like seven or eight minute songs that they're like, oh, well, we have to keep doing that even if there isn't a solo instead of doing solos let's just repeat a really bullshit chorus like four times or four to eight times whatever (laughs) um but like if they didn't do that and they just condensed it it would have been i'm I'm not going to say it would have been good but it would have been much better and but one thing that i do one thing i will say in defense of saint anger which which is a crazy thing to say in and of itself in defense of St. Anger, but which is the title of this episode, by the way. Yeah. In defense of St. Anger, <laughs> an interview with Eric Egan. Um, I think like watching the documentary and listening to the album and everything and just reading into all of the lore with it and how, I mean that it's very obvious that that was a low point for Metallica both in terms of uh, relations, internal relations, and also just like public perception and critically speaking, a low point for them. But for me, I like the idea of St. Anger because I think it really appropriately captured, like it is not a pretty album. It's it's not good. It doesn't sound good. It's very uh, abrasive. It's recorded horribly. The song, the songwriting is redundant and terrible um but and everything about it is not graceful at all it's very phoned in it's very just bad but i will say that i really like the idea of saint anger in that it's i do think it's an honest portrait of where metallica was at at that time it's like here we are capturing the biggest heavy metal band of all time at this weird midlife crisis moment and like just absorbing the whole package of it and being like okay the album and the documentary and everything about it i'm like it is not it's not uh my favorite uh metallica album by any means but i do think that it is very honest and it's bad but 
that Metallica was down bad at that point. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I will say in defense of St. Anger, I think it is, uh, it is very honest and vulnerable and, you know, it kind of opened up, uh, a uh, field of emotions for uh and and different different thoughts for uh Metallica which I think all in all is a net positive both for Metallica and for just metal in general. So That's I like the, I like the yeah. I like the idea of saying anger, but it, it fucking sucks at the same time. It's crazy to me that after all of that, they even like pretend. I, I also have a hard time yeah. believing that they, that they watched back some kind of anger and said, oh yeah, we should, we should put this into the world. But like, I, sh- sh- it, no, I, my, my theory crazy. with that, I've talked about this is, is they had to have reached a point where they're like, they had to have had the discussion. There's no way that that was never like fully self-aware at any point. And they were like, they had to have reached a point where they're like, all right, well, we've already sunk literally a million dollars into this we're past the point of no return we just have to send it you know what i mean like we can't we just have not... to make some money back on this yeah it's... yeah so like i feel like they just had there's no way that at no point in that where they like fuck this is going to make metallica look terrible and this is going to be like a a pr nightmare this is you know it's like there's no way i'm convinced there's no way that that conversation never happened um it had I'm... to have been Yo, I'm thankful for it. It sounds like you are too, especially yeah. for one specific part in that movie, which I still quote constantly, which is, if I were you, I would delete that. Yes. Oh, my God. It's, it's, we, yeah. We, it's we do the, the that, best that's part like, of that. It's so, we, it's so crushing. It's so crushing. We do that all the time. When we record, if there's, you know, if there's a, 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 a bad take or something, you're like, I, I would, I would press delete. <laughs> <laughs> so good i uh, it's so I went, fucking funny my buddy and i went to a, we go to a lot of early screenings like there's like a, a thing to sign up so you could like go to early screenings of films and stuff and yeah. um and we went to one i uh i can't say which but i went to one recently that was so fucking bad that in the, like you always have to do a <laughs> survey after and when okay, it said yeah. it had said like any lasting thoughts on this film my response was if i were you i would delete this yeah. <laughs> like, oh that's hang. too perfect yeah um, cannot hang this this is uh Prestedly, this is bad. So you you've already answered a few of the questions with 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 that long conversation with that like bit. we went we <laughs> went my, through with, with my with my punishing uh, no, rambling about saying about saying anger. No, I mean, even the, even what we've discussed so far, we've tackled uh, first concert. My phone What's started up? ringing. Oh, you're oh, fine. Never mind. Okay, um, that wasn't my first concert, but that was the first. Like, I saw Metallica in sixth grade, and that was like still to this day like hands down one of the best days of my life like it's incredible um but so my first concert technically i i don't remember it because i was like a, a, a small child but yeah. i saw uh the indigo the indigo girls nice. uh live i don't remember it so that was like technically um the first one i guess but the first one that i remember was when I was in in second grade and I saw um, Red Hot Chili Peppers with Queens of the Stone Age opening, which was fucking sick. And that was when Dave Grohl was drumming for uh, Queens of the Stone Age. And they were, like, so ungodly loud. Um, yeah. But it, it was amazing. Like, so that, I mean, that was, that was the first concert that I uh, consciously remember. And Metallica was, like, the first one that I was, like, amped on for and just yeah exactly so um 
And then you said your first instrument was drums. When did you start playing drums? First in, uh, I started playing drums when I was 10. Okay. And did you still, to this day, can you, like, get behind a kit and have fun? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Like, I can... Uh, I like to think I still got it, but I definitely don't play as much as I used to. Um, but I, I played the other day for the first time in a while. And I don't know, like the thing is though, it's weird. Cause like I, I am like, uh, I'm cross dominant in terms of, uh, like I write with my left hand, I play guitar righty and then I drum lefty. So it's like, I, and then I like playing hockey growing up, I would shoot righty. So it's like, um, I don't know, kind of all over the place in that regards. But when I first started playing drums, I set it up, you know, like a normal right-handed kit because that's how drum sets looked. And so I would play. I started playing, cro- you know, crossing my right hand over and like playing righty. And then I was like, "Oh, this feels weird." And then I was playing like open-handed, uh, set up righty. But then I realized I'm like, "Oh wait, I can just like flip this backwards and, you know, play." Uh, like true lefty, I guess. So like, I'm, I'm the, I'd say that overall I'm most comfortable playing drums lefty, but I can still, I can play like set up righty open-handed. I don't know. But yeah, I I started playing drums first at when I was 10 and still can, but I don't, I don't play as much now. And it's like, uh, eventually, you know, started focusing much more on guitar and, singing and everything and got way more into just like songwriting end of things. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll like have ideas when I write a song, it's like, you know, I'll have an idea on drums, general idea and be able to like, kind of like vocalize that or play it or something. But like, but you know, I have a huge, I mean, when it comes to songwriting, especially being in a band, that's like such a huge, uh, advantage to have to Definitely. be able to be like, vo- to not only like, verbally voice what you're trying to do but you could also be like oh can you do something like this as long yeah, as your drummer yeah. is comfortable with you oh <laughs> for sure yeah, yeah. And it's, it's it's just like yeah it's just kind of like a ballpark idea of what i had in mind but th- i mean that's the thing is even that changes it's like okay that's cool but what about this i'm like oh yeah wait no that's that's way sicker. yeah it gives, <laughs> it, it gives the drummer an, uh, an opportunity to build upon that and maybe for make sure. that idea even better yeah no i get that exactly. um, yeah. so, so when did you start- it definitely is advantageous i think having that background of like having started on drums and you know being able to do that but yeah so yeah so when you started playing when did you start playing guitar when I was 11. So like very oh, oh, shortly after, very shortly after. Yeah. Yeah. So your early bands, were they like punk bands or were they like metal leaning or, uh, definitely more, definitely more punk leaning. Cause I mean, I, I definitely, you know, first kind of came into things through metal, but like have never, uh, been like a shredder or anything. I'm not like, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not like, I can, I can recognize what my abilities are. And I like yeah. to, you know, I'm like, I re I, realize my abilities and i i like uh focusing more on you know songwriting and structure rather than like getting super technical with things and having uh having anything be too bogged down by you know technical ability but uh but yeah i'd say like you know my first bands um it like in high school and everything definitely definitely more uh what definitely was the more first cleaning what was the first band called it was called Etceteras. Nice. Uh, like, et cetera, but uh, it misspelled because we didn't know. But, yeah, it was just <laughs> that's what we were called. And uh, did you sing in that band? 
Um, I did. I didn't originally. I originally just played guitar, and then eventually played guitar and uh, sang, and then uh, and then just sang for a bit. I don't. Know, it was kind of like a rotating uh, lineage of figuring out what we wanted to do in terms of like who was doing what and also what influences we had, you know, it was kind of like yeah. figuring things out for, for, for sure. So, um, and then you, you had mentioned very early on about a show you played, like a early show you played. What was the first show? The first show that I'd ever played, you ever played, just yeah. ever played first live. Yeah. Oh, it was just, we, it was like that, that band we had played, um, down, it was at like this, this coffee shop like down the street um from uh my friend eric who is actually my roommate and he drum or he um drummed in that band it was down the street from his mom's house so it's like we couldn't even drive yet but we just like walked Walked our gear gear. down the street (laughs) yeah to this coffee shop and it was like you know it was a we we played it was like it wasn't you know just like some it was like a full band thing we played and it was like uh i mean i didn't really have many slash if any uh friends that like at my high school but like a couple of the uh two of the guys in the in the band like they they had a decent amount of friends that are at our high school i mean because i like went to i was in a different school system between um eighth grade and uh high school so it's like i didn't know anyone but like uh two like the guy who played bass and then the singer of that the original singer of that band like they had a decent friend group and decent amount of friends that uh they'd gone to like middle school and everything with going into high school so like you know we played and it was like there's a good amount of people there and everything it was fun but like yeah it was just like at a uh since then i mean it went under shortly after and just sat vacant for a long time um but now it's like some bridal boutique so nice. it's like just a bunch of wedding dresses and everything. But yeah, it was originally <laughs> just this like normal ass sort of suburban coffee shop. What was, uh, for you, what was the first time you recorded? First, uh, first time I recorded, it's like the first, I guess, semi legit, uh, studio recording. Cause I mean, I would like record shit on like handheld recorders growing up and like, yeah. Old, uh, old tape decks that had a microphone function. I would just record shit on tape. Like, I don't know, you know, I'd do that, but I guess the first sort of like formal studio experience of sorts was, um, this, this guy, there's this guy who had a home studio and th- I mean, this was like back in the MySpace days, but it was this, yeah. this studio called lightning rock studios. And it was like out like, I mean, like I said back then, it's like you know, none of us drove because we were thirteen, and our uh, our drummer Eric was twelve, but it was like twelve to thirteen. So you know, we had our parents drive us to this uh, this like guy, this guy's home studio. It was like you know, I mean, from what I can recall I, at the time, at least, I don't know, it seemed really legit. Um, but it was like just like a you know, decently nice home studio setup, and uh, but it was like 30 or 40 minutes from us kind of out. It's like Southeast of Cleveland a bit. Um, or maybe not, maybe not 40 minutes, like 30 minutes. Um, but we just recorded there and just recorded our, uh, our first demo. And, uh, 
And then my mom picked us up and we all got Chipotle. And <laughs> so I was like, were you singing in this band or were you playing guitar? What, the, what was that was, that was when I was playing guitar and I was just playing guitar in that project. But eventually I eventually started singing that. Do you still that have that recording? I do actually. It's, so yeah. there are a lot of, there are a lot of, uh, recordings from that project that like I, that kind of, I've, I've just kind of lost in time yeah. and, uh, should have, should have, uh, kept a better track of and should have archived, but I do have that very first recording and, uh, it's, it's a trip. Listening I'm to sure it. I mean, it, is. It's, it was just like, cause I could like, I mean, I was playing guitar, but it's like, I had been playing for like a year and a half, two years at that point and was like very limited, like very, very limited in my abilities. And it was just like, I mean, I'd say like, it, it was just like kind of like early descendants influence stuff, but like nowhere near as good, <laughs> but like, you know, it's just like, just kind of like, you know, a, a high school punk man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's, that's exactly what it should be. Um, mm-hmm. what, uh, what was the, f- I mean, was, is Heart Attack Man the first band that you've put records out with? No, I, I, so I did it. So I did a band like at the end of high school and, um, like right at the end of high school, beginning of college, uh, I was in a band. Well, so et cetera is my high school band. That was the first time that I'd ever been in a project that had like vinyl pressed. And, uh, the Who first put time that, out? that, um, so it was kind of like a, a mix of, we did, so we did our first EP was like, um, we just kind of put it on the internet and then like, um, uh, are you familiar with uh the Japanese label Ice Grills? Yeah. So they like put it out in Japan but just on CD. Yeah. And that was like shortly after we had like put that out um cuz we just posted it like on the Bridge 9 board, the fabled Bridge 9 board. Of course. Um but so we we they put that out in Japan and then like um this a German DIY label, like put it out in Germany on vinyl. And that was like the first vinyl pressing. And then like we put out a, another EP and, uh, I don't Do you remember, do you remember Mayfly records? Yeah. It's funny. I was, I was looking this up because of, uh, I, I realized an early heart attack, man, uh, EP is on Mayfly. So right, Mayfly right. zero one is a side project band that I was in. With oh shit okay with uh with two of the other guys in Touche called Deadhead, um, okay awesome yeah yeah we did I, I was looking that up and I didn't I don't even know if I realized that it was Mayfly zero one I was like whoa holy oh fuck. wow okay yeah <laughs> yeah that's wild uh, but yeah, but yeah I know so, Bob yeah yeah so yeah so uh, shout out Bob shout um, out Bob but so See, okay well, I haven't seen him or talked to him in a long time see all right I yeah yeah I mean I, I I haven't talked to him a ton lately but I mean last last I talked to him he's doing good. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, cool. Shout out Bob. But yeah, yeah. But so he uh yeah, he so he put out um the second ages EP that we did and we shortly we did that's the thing, is like he did that and then he also like went in on pressing for our first EP with like the German DIY mm-hmm. label that uh we'd done that with. But so like he did that and then that band disbanded shortly after and i felt fucking terrible because like we just put out this ep and he pressed it to vinyl and then the band just like 
disbanded and I was like, man, and we were like ready to tour and every like ready to tour yeah. for a second EP and everything. It just fell apart. And I was like, oh man, I feel, I feel fucking terrible. And so that, but like at that point towards the end of that band, there was like a, a small period of time where there was an overlap, um, where heart attack man was just like a, a for fun studio project of mine where that existed at the same time as that band. And so like towards the end, um, I'd never, I'd never like anticipated actually pursuing heart attack man. And like, didn't plan on playing shows originally. It was just like a, for fun studio project because, um, in that old band of mine, like I wasn't really writing much for it. You know, I was like, I felt, I felt like I needed to be doing something where I was like writing more and had something that was like my own thing. And just, uh, I don't know, uh, something that was different from what I'd been doing. Cause like everything I'd played in growing up was definitely a lot more, you know, punk or hardcore punk or like heavier hardcore stuff and, or like melodic hardcore. But so I was like, I want to do something that's like, you know, inspired by that kind of stuff. But like, venturing further from that and jamming with new people and everything and doing something that's so I was like you know I want to do something that's like still catchy and melodic it's still punk influence but more focusing more on you know catchiness and the melodic side of things but not necessarily trying to be like I guess like a cookie cutter pop punk band you know but like I mean we have some influences there and we've toured with uh plenty of you know, more traditionally pop punk bands and everything. But like, I kind of wanted to do something that was a bit more kind of in between a, a few different things, you know, where it's like, I feel like now at this point, you know, we could, we could play with a hardcore band or just a more straight up punk band or pop punk bands. Like we kind of, uh, take influence from a lot of places and kind of in, exist in between. I feel in between a, a few different things. I think that's, I mean, uh, speaking from kind of my own personal experience, I think that that's like the best place to belong in a band like yours yeah. where like you could play with a, you know, a story so far or something like that. And you could also play right. with, you know, uh, fucking, you know, even just drug, I mean, I mean drug church is obviously we, like, a, a, like a, they're, they're late. They're more on the popular side, but like, I mean, yeah, you could, yeah. you could, or, you know, like, a a band like us or something like that. Like you, exactly, you can yeah. exist in different, in different ways. And like, it wouldn't be like, and it wouldn't I don't be weird. feel like it would be out of place anywhere really. So, I mean, that's where I prefer to exist. Um, and that I, I, I like, like the idea of being able to kind of do a few different things and, you know, kind of venture into different lanes, but also, I mean, it's also because, I mean, we're just all so influenced by so many different things and so many different genres and styles and all that, that it's like, I don't, I wouldn't want to just have like one type of influence and be in one type of lane. You know, I'm like, I'm always like actively incorporating different influences into our sound and everything and like taking inspiration from various places. And I'm like, for me, it keeps it exciting. And it's like, you know, variety is the spice of life, as they say, as they say. Um, so I, I saw like the, the demo and the acid rain EP and, uh, like both, both those were with, uh, Zach weeks, which I was like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the very first demo wasn't, but, uh, Oh, okay. Sorry. Acid rain was with, was with Zach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I go, I I go from, way backwards, Zach. Yeah, I, 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 as soon as I saw that name, I was like, I was like, oh man, I know that name. Um, yeah. And uh, so that, but then I also saw even like the Manson Family record. Like you recorded that with Ian, who's in Modern Baseball. But then you, right. but Zach like mastered it and stuff. I didn't Correct. see any. I didn't see any. Uh, I couldn't find um, production details for the last two LPs. But what I was going to get is like it felt like you were still very making records with people that you knew that you've you know feel comfortable with or whatever and that For seemed sure. to con- yeah that seemed to continue um yeah, we so we actually we did fake blood our second album um with brett romness who um records out of the barber shop in hopatkin new jersey okay. and he he plays uh drums in crime and stereo and oh, um, okay. the, the, and the movie life and i am the avalanche so like that squad yeah. Um, so we were, we recorded fake blood with him and then we recorded most of our, um, our most decent, our most recent EP thoughts and prayers. We recorded most of that with him and then we actually finished up, um, we, f- we recorded that mo- most of it at the, that same studio and then we finished it, um, with our, our, our buddy Steve at, uh, Matt from citizens studio in, uh, in Toledo. What what I was going to ask was like, yeah, so like going from working with people that you're obviously familiar with, I'm assuming people with mm-hmm. you've known for a really long time, as you said, like, you've known Zach forever. Um, mm-hmm. How did that feel going to do Fake Blood now with like in a different studio and even a, obviously a different state? Like, uh, what was that experience like for you? It, it was really cool. So like Fake Blood was the first, I mean, like when we so when we recorded the Manson family that was in Philadelphia with Ian. Okay. And, um, but the thing was that, that release, like we self-funded that and everything. And we like, di- we did that album in six days and it was like super crunched. Like we were recording for like 20 hours a day. It was like <laughs> totally, fr- totally fried. Just like, yeah. absolutely. I don't know how we did it, but like we did that and self-funded that. And then that's like from that, we uh signed with triple crown and but so like fake blood was the first time where we recorded where it was like oh okay we actually you know have a recording budget and there's like you know we have time to do this <laughs> I mean, we, right. we we recorded uh that and we you know we had two and a half weeks of studio time budgeted for us and i mean we were like very well rehearsed that we went into it and we still finished early and like wrote an extra song and everything but like Um, but I mean, you know, it was a very different, but very like positively different experience for us. We're like, Oh, cool. Like we feel like, you know, we actually have time. We don't have to rush this. And it was, it was really nice, but also recording with Brett. It's like, we didn't know Brett super, super well before then, but like we had, we toured with, we did a weekend of shows with crime and stereo. And then we did a tour with, um, the movie life and, uh, the early November. So we did get to know him, uh, at least, you know, we didn't go into the studio. Uh, he wasn't a complete stranger. Like total strangers. And, yeah. Yeah. And we like, we really clicked with him on the tours and we, and, uh, when we had toured with him and everything and like, we're like, okay, we feel good about this. And like in the studio, we immediately realized we're like, Oh, this, this guy really understands us and understands us as a band and like what we want to be doing. Well, so, what's great is, you just, you know, you were saying you went in super prepared, which is, which is kind mm-hmm. of like a, a theme that comes and goes on the show a lot where like, you know, uh, people sometimes listen to the show and say like, you know, you can get some good advice from it and, and things like that. And I, and I feel like that 
is one of the best things you could really do as a young band, like over prepare for when you go into the studio, you know, don't go in being like, Oh yeah, we'll just figure it out. You know, it it, it, is like, I do think there can be some positives with like going in with some things open-ended and being like, you know, we're going to like work this out. And, you know, that's like the, the, studio magic element of things you know you're like okay kind of figuring it out in this moment and like um that you know our most recent ep there were some things on that where we're like okay we've done the we've done we've gone the route of being meticulously well rehearsed and well prepared having every hit planned out note for note everything like to a t to where with this ep you know we're like okay we have like everything mostly figured out but there's some things that we wanted to leave open-ended to try and you know see how we operate in that type of uh in with that type of um mindset like going into it being like okay you know this this song has some loose ends that we want to tie up in the studio but i mean we haven't gone uh into the studio and be like okay time to write a record from scratch like i don't i don't know if i could do that oh i could not no how are you especially with lyrics that's what i was gonna ask how are you when it comes to lyrics like what's your i I take fucking forever like i and i'll write like you know i'll write like a full set of lyrics and scrap them and then do something else you know it's like i'm very meticulous because i mean I, i always get in my head i'm like what i'm putting this out forever you know i mean it's going to be out there i'm like i want to like make it count i mean like good for you for caring that much though i feel like we we have our moments where it might not seem like that and it's you know kind of a bit more lighthearted, you know but overall i mean there's still like a by and large a very conscious uh meticulous thought process behind it and you know i'm like combing over everything super meticulously like i want to make like i'm very focused so when i'm writing it's like i'll write I'll come up with typically come up with like, you know, a chord progression or a melody first. And then like from there map out the melody of the song and then fit in what I want to say to the melody. So it's like, I don't really write lyrics first and then write music around it. It's like, I'll figure out what I want to say and what resonates with the song best and like, you know, sonically and everything. And then kind of like flesh it out from there. But because of that, I think, you know, it kind of takes a bit, longer for me to like piece it all together and be like okay properly communicating what i want to say but also figuring it out in the right way and like in terms of cadence and everything syllable count all that like very focused on that so it's a it's a sometimes a a snail's pace uh effort with me but all in all i think I'm, i'm always uh satisfied with the end result yeah yeah i mean i it's it's such an important part of the of the whole yeah. thing, and I was curious if, because I assumed you were one of the one of if not like the primary songwriter for the band, like yeah. how how those yeah. came together for you. If if you had ideas for lyrics first, or if you just write all them, no, no, do you have do you have times where like you have like multiple songs written musically, and then you have to then you add the lyrics to all of them after? Oh yeah, that's where I'm at right now. It's like yeah. I have like a I have like a a small mountain of you know songs or like half ideas or starting points of songs and like but yeah most of them don't have lyrics i'm like i gotta (laughs) chip away at that but um yeah i mean that that's typically you know how it is for me it's like it'll it'll just be a a a bank of ideas that are that mostly don't have words yet but you know eventually will they'll come yeah exactly 
Um, and before, before I get the last question, actually, since obviously you went from, you know, um, Mayfly to, uh, triple crown. Um, Mm -hmm. how was that experience for you? Like, uh, was navigating signing to a larger label, like a stressful thing, or was it something that kind of, you know, you had people helping you out on that? Like, it's kind of a fun question to ask people like what that experience was for you. It wasn't, it wasn't very stressful for us necessarily. Um, you know, we kind of like between, I guess it was also worth noting, um, between, you know, when Heart Attack Man had started and now like, you know, we've gone through like some personnel changes and everything, but like me and Adam who play drum, who, who plays drums, we've been the two consistent members and everything. So, I mean, um, I'd say like nothing has been overly stressful in terms of like how we've navigated things. Um, sometimes like in the early days with, uh, some of the personnel, like sometimes it's just, it just has not meshed well. And it's like, that has been kind of stressful sometimes where it's like, okay, this is like, just, you know, we don't work well with these people or whatever. It's like, you know, it it just, navigating that is is kind of uh stressful sometimes and can be the source of some stress but overall i mean you know it's not like everything's been super easy for us we're like we're like oh yeah we don't have to think about anything nothing stress you know we've had like uh stress and conflict before but like overall um kind of just navigating the world we're in now like you know signing to a label um, starting to tour more and everything, getting out there, like all of that, it's been pretty manageable for us because no, I feel like nothing's happened too. It's never been like a, a matter of like too much at once. You know what I mean? It's like, we've kind of any bit of growth that we've made, um, and all, all the growth that we've made over the past handful of years, it's like, we've been able to adjust and kind of like, it hasn't been like, oh, we like blew up overnight and all of a sudden we're like, you know, the biggest band in the scene and it's like, don't yeah. know how to handle that or adjust or anything. But like for us, it's been very incremental and like we've remained consistent and stayed active and like consistently been building, but like none of it's been too unmanageable. So, I mean, even with that signing to a bigger label and everything, uh, we're lucky in that none of it was like too stressful or anything, not able to handle it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, it was definitely interesting. We've, you know, learned a lot along the way. Um, but it was actually the, the last EP we did was, uh, the, our last release with triple crown. So now it's all kind of like navigating what's next and, what's next? uh, yeah. it's, it's exciting. But, yeah. Um, that's an exciting time. And it's, it, yeah. you know, it, it, gives you a chance to sort of recalibrate what's important and know exactly. what you want going forward. And now you've had all this experience. Like, yeah, it's a, that's a very exciting time. It's, it's a unique position to be in. Cause I mean, I feel like we're still very much so like on the up, but like are, you know, established enough to where like they're, you know, people know us, but like, we're, there's still, we're still an up and coming band, you know, but, totally. uh, but like, it's, it's an interesting position to be in. Cause I mean, like, with with this band it's been a lot of i mean you know in in the theme with this podcast and everything it's like so much of we've had a lot of first experiences with this band and everything and like navigating the world that we're in and the the modern music industry and all that like a lot of it has been the first time experience anything uh 
for us. And like, I mean, for example, I mean, early, earlier on for us, it's like, we were working with like a third party merch company and we're like, okay, I mean, we'll, you know, have them kind of handle our printing and fulfillment and all of that. And we like, we're rocking with this company for a little bit. And then eventually we were just like, I mean, we could like, it's nice not having to like worry about that shit sometimes, but we were also kind of like, we can do this ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like we could do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, so like before we got too invested or too deep in that, like we were just like, Hey, we're just going to do our own thing. And so we like started, uh, printing our merch and everything and doing our fulfillment and all of that. So like, that's an example of something where it's like, yeah, I mean, we tried that out or like, you know, that was, it, it served its purpose for a bit, but we ultimately realized that's something we wanted to be more hands-on about and have more under our control. So like, you know, now, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll outsource things sometimes and we have been lately cause we're kind of in limbo moving our shop. Um, but like, for like the last tour we did, it's like, you know, we printed everything for that. And that's, that's been fun, like focusing on that more and kind of ramping up things in terms of printing and fulfillment and all of that. Um, but so, yeah, like in theme with, uh, this, you know, just a lot of first experiences and everything. It's like, none of it's been too, uh, none of it's been too intimidating or too much to handle at once. And it's like, you know, if we try something new, try something new and we're like, okay, well, you know, this works fine, but like, we'd rather do this and like do something ourselves. Like, you know, we've been able to do that and kind of move, move about successfully. Yeah. Ha- realizing you can handle things yourself is, is such an important lesson and, and things, you know, like anytime you can put more money in your own pocket is, uh, is, uh, oh, yeah. that's a, that's a pro right there. Uh, um, exactly. Well, hit, well, shit, man, I'll hit you with the last question, which is, uh, do you remember the first yeah. time you felt like you were doing the thing that you had been working so hard towards? So I've, let me think, I've been like kind of thinking on this and, um, I'd say, I mean, as I referenced earlier, like starting with this band and everything, um, it started as a studio project and I'd never expected or planned on playing shows with it originally so truthfully a lot of what we've done has everything to me has kind of been an added bonus where i'm like okay this was not according to plan this wasn't (laughs) this wasn't uh on on the script um but uh with everything in mind of like not really having any plans originally or any sort of hard set goals i'd say the first time that i really kind of felt that was uh I think it was in 2017 we had played a uh it was, this was after the uh the tour that I'd mentioned with the early November in the movie life when we were on the way back from that because our the leg of that tour that we were on ended in Austin Texas and then we were going home from that and uh and so we like booked a show on the way back that was um, with friends of ours in, uh, in Cincinnati. And so we played that and there was a, uh, there was a band that had hopped on that was, uh, from Georgia and they were like, they were on tour as well and needed a show. So they hopped on and we all, we all played the show. So I was talking to the singer of that band from Georgia and like, we were just after the show and everything, we we're just talking about music, all that. And, um, kind of, you know, asked what, what they what just like what they do and you know when um 
because they had mentioned that they were in uh, they were in school. I was like, okay, you know, just talking about school, and uh, they were in like the. I get like the recording arts program at, at their college and everything. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And they're like, uh, they had mentioned how their professor used to be in a band. Uh, this, this obscure nineties band called sugar. And I was like, Oh no way. Are you serious? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, that's like my favorite band. They're like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you gotta be fucking with me. Like I've never heard of anyone, like I've never met anyone that knows that band. I'm like, yeah, yeah like that's my favorite band. They're like, that's so wild. I'm like, that's wild to me that your professor was in sugar. Like what the hell? And so, um, and it was the, the bassist of sugar. And so, uh, I was like, well, if, if it's not, uh, too much of me, if it's not too much of me to ask, like, would you be able to pass one of our CDs along to him? And they were like, oh yeah, sure. Of course. And so we like had linked up on, on, uh, online and everything. And then like a few months later they had messaged me and they're like, Hey, so, you know, he, he really dug the CD and everything said that he had it in his car for a while and like was listening to it, you know, for, for like weeks on end, just like had it on repeat kind of, and just really vibed with it. And, uh, and yeah, so it like stayed in his CD drive for a while and everything. I was like, that is fucking cool. Like that, yeah. that was like sort of the first moment where I was like, okay, like that's, I don't know, like getting any sort of like, you know, uh, love in any capacity from someone who is an influence from you to you is like, it's, it's truthfully such yeah. a, the best feeling. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I guess to kind of answer your question, that was like, I'd say that was like the first sort of moment for me where I, it was like kind of like an Oh shit moment where I was like, I feel like, you know, I'm onto something or doing, you know, kind of like doing not, I mean, not necessarily what I'd like set out to do. Cause I didn't, I've never really had any like hard set expectations or sure. goals with, uh, with heart attack, man. But that was sort of like the first moment where I was like, okay, this is like really significant for me just on a personal level. But, um, but yeah, so to answer your question in a very overly wordy manner, um, that is yeah. that moment, I guess it was, it was very cool. Absolutely. I bet. Uh, well, I appreciate it, Eric. Thanks so much for hanging oh, out with me today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, I hope we get to, to meet up sometime soon and actually like meet in person and all that. Oh, sort definitely. Of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, man. Cool. Well, I'll let you go. Okay. Sounds good. And that is our show. Thank you so much to Eric Egan for being here. And thank you for listening. Reminder, if you want a bonus episode, hit up patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon and hear that now. If you haven't subscribed on uh, Apple or iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this, also please do that. All right, I'll be back next week and I'll sound much better. Thank you. Bye-bye.